Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. All right, what's shaking, Red Nation? Welcome to another episode of The Dream Take, presented by The Dream Shake. Jeremy Brenner here, a lot to talk about tonight. Obviously, can't do it by myself, so I've got my co-pilot, Mr. Raymond Lucas, here to talk some Rockets basketball with me. Ray, crazy night tonight. I think we got a good game to talk about, and I'm excited to talk about it with you, brother. Yeah, that was a lot more fun than uh, the last time we got to meet up this one. We got to see some highlights. We got to see Jalen Green go crazy and ultimately a good game that looked like it was going to get out of hand for a second, but I liked, I liked how they played tonight. Yeah. So the Rockets, they lose this one by 10 final score Celtics, one Oh seven Rockets, 97. And to be honest, Ray, I think out of the three games we've seen the loss to Minnesota, the win against Oklahoma city and the loss to Boston tonight, I think this loss to Boston is the most accurate representation of what this Rockets team is out of the first three games so far. Yeah, I like that assessment because I think they came out with a lot of energy, more energy than we saw against Minnesota. I think that was one of the things that we really were just uh, unsatisfied with was how they came out and just kind of looked lazy and looked half asleep. And this game, they came out and they fought, but at the end of the day, it just became a talent thing where Boston was just better. And if that's how you're going to lose, then that's perfectly fine. But yeah, I think that's what we're going to see throughout the season is them fighting, but eventually a team's talent starting to take over. Yeah, so Boston came into this game tonight without their Jalen, Jalen Brown. But luckily for the Rockets, we had our Jalen, Jalen Green. And he came out with his best performance out of the first three nights. A career high, albeit a short career high, but 30 tonight from the second overall pick. 11 of 18 from the floor, 8 of 10 from the three-point line. That is, I think, the biggest takeaway from this game. What did you like the most out of Jalen Green tonight, Ray? Um, I liked his confidence once he's seen a couple shots go down. He kept putting up those shots because I think I think we've seen that a little bit even like in the preseason where he was putting up a nice amount of shots and they just weren't falling. So it was nice to see him get encouraged by that. And he wasn't really taking wild shots, even though he got hot. Like we wanted probably wanted to see some more heat checks from him, but he was really just doing everything that was like he was just taking what was coming to him instead of going out of his way to check up shots. And I think that says a lot about a young player because when you get hot, it starts feeling like you can make everything. But instead, he was still looking out for his teammates. And even at the end of a quarter, when that's the perfect time for a heat check, he still gave it up to, I think it was Jay Sean Tate who missed the three. It might have been Eric Gordon. It was one of them. I just know they missed. Yeah, you know, honestly, tonight, I think Jalen played – I mean, yes, the shooting was great. And we're, we can't expect him to shoot 80% from the three-point line every night. But I was encouraged by the fact that he was getting more touches tonight and that 
his his coach and his teammates were were entrusting him with that. And I like that they did ride with the hot hand tonight. I also like the performance tonight from Christian Wood, albeit not as great of a performance as we saw from him against the Thunder, but 20 points, nine rebounds from him. Yes, 5 of 14 from the field. I don't think those numbers uh, are very indicative of his performance tonight. I was impressed by Christian Wood. I think he was able to create a lot of opportunities, open up that offense for the Rockets, and he was able to do so in ways that I think were intended to be like when I think of Christian Wood, I, I envision what he was able to bring tonight. I think he was the, the way he fit within the Rockets tonight, I think is the most uh, like likely as to what I envision for this team, like on paper, I think that showed tonight with, with Seawood. Mm-hmm. And I think he was doing a really good job at making himself an option, even when he didn't have the ball, because there were a couple of times when Singoon found him, some of them he finished, some of them either got slapped away or he just wasn't able to convert on them. But I think that's what's perfect for him is even if you're, even if the ball's not in your hands, being active and staying an option, because if you have a guy down there like Singoon, who's showing that he's a willing passer and he has great floor vision and court awareness, then it's super important to make yourself a target, even when you're, you might not be expecting him to throw the ball because there are a couple of times when he ended up wide open in the paint and just had an easy dunk. Yeah, because they, there was that one in particular possession that I, I picked up on from this game where Shangun was down low and he was, I think, I think he was posting up Marcus Smart. And the thing with the Celtics is the Rockets, we, don't, we haven't been talking about this a whole lot over the last couple of years, but the Rockets had a size advantage against the Celtics. The Celtics are a team, they don't like to play very big. I know they have Al Horford, but Al Horford only played, you know, 29 minutes tonight. There was a decent amount of time where they were playing a real small lineup with Robert Williams as the five or Grant Williams as like a small ball five. And the Rockets had a size advantage because Christian Wood or Alperin Shangun, I believe there was not a minute where there wasn't at least one of those guys on the floor tonight. So the Rockets had that size advantage there. And I wish they had taken a little bit more advantage of it because I feel like if they had gone down there a little bit more, they would have had a little bit more success. Now, the Celtics do play very physical. That is something about the Celtics that has not changed. You know, that's why they are okay with a guy like Marcus Smart being down there as like, uh, you know, as a small ball, you know, defender on a guy that's as, you know, as big as, as big as Christian Wood and as big as Shangun. But there was that one play where they are able to, they double Shangun, but Shangun is smart enough to find Wood down low because they're getting the help side uh, off of Wood's defender and he finds Wood for an easy dunk. And that to me is like, wow, like that is exactly what I was envisioning of a Wood-Shangun pairing. And it's, I didn't expect it to like come into fruition this soon. I think that a lot of the things that we saw from Shangun, his ability to not to, pen, to penetrate when he's at the top of the key, for the ability to to make that pass. I thought that, you know, in summer league, that was mainly because, oh, that's a summer league that like he's going against lesser talent and all that. But he's been proven that he's able to do that in the NBA in just his third NBA game. Very impressed with Alperin Shangun tonight. Yeah, I am too. And I think um, a thing about him is passing is something that translates to every level, no matter if he's playing in summer league or, I mean, he won't spend any time in the G League, you'd assume, but whether he's there or just at any level, whether he's overseas, that passing and that vision, it's always going to be there. It's just 
how available are your teammates going to be? And I think when Jalen Green's hitting shots like that, they don't really want to help out. Kevin Porter Jr.'s shot's looking a little better. So guys are like super spaced out. And then it gets down to Sangoon on the play that you're talking about. And he's just too strong for you to just let him be down there. And it's probably going to end up in the and one if you just let him go one-on-one. So Christian Wood's just right there. And I think it's just, that's what you want to see moving forward. And I think that's why people are so eager to see him get more minutes or maybe even move into the starting lineup because it will be interesting to see how much their offense unlocks because they have a facilitator out of the post, which most teams don't have. And we see when the Nuggets play, how useful that is. Mm-hmm. Shangun tonight only played 19 minutes, but had seven points, four boards, four assists, three steals led the team in that department. And he, but he did have five fouls. So I think that might have been why he, because he picked up that fifth foul pretty late. Um, but another thing with Shangun too is he's able to draw those fouls. And I think that was something that I picked up on tonight from him. That was something that he was able to do really well during summer league. And I think that's, you know, translating as well. Uh, really early in his NBA career. I do I do question whether he should be in the starting lineup, but I don't know if 19 minutes is really enough for Shengun. I wish he would have played maybe a little bit more, not necessarily a whole lot more, but maybe if you give him like five more of Tice's minutes, like say you give Tice, you know, 15 minutes to 20, and then you give Shengun somewhere between 25 to 28, somewhere in that range. But I think that, uh, Steven Silas is getting a little bit more comfortable with his rotations. Uh, I think we saw that tonight. Um, and I think that this team is starting to get to where it's going a little bit more. It isn't, you know, they're, they're learning from these games. And that's at least what makes a loss like this unfortunate. But at the same time, there is a positive to this loss. There's a lot more positives to this loss than the loss that the Rockets had this past, uh, this past Wednesday when they lost in Minnesota. Yeah, I agree. And I think when you take that Minnesota game and all of our takeaways and all the things that we were harping on that they need to do better, I think they did a lot of that better. There's still certain things like I feel like um, there was a stretch in the third quarter where the game started to get away from them a little bit. And it probably would have been a good idea to bring some of those key guys back into the game. And so that's something that I'd like to see get like corrected. I don't know if fixed is the right word, but just tweaked a little bit. Um, If your team starts bleeding, make sure you stop it by putting in a guy who's going to come in and score. And then also just turning it over. There was a couple of silly turnovers, which every team is going to have every game, but it's still, it's never an excuse. And I think those are just a couple of things, but overall it was just a way better performance than the last time they lost because we could take away a bunch from OKC, but OKC from the start of that game, we could tell they are not really a good basketball team. So I think it sucks that we have to break compare the losses as to like how we feel about this team. But I think, you know, it's there's different ways to lose a basketball game. At the end of the day, a loss is a loss, but you'd rather go out there and compete and be competitive and not get embarrassed and not have like the opposing team's players signaling for you guys to call a timeout. This was a way better showing for Houston. Yeah. I think we're getting to the point where, um, you know, I think this is what, this is the Rockets. I think we're going to see on most nights. I think that the Rockets are going to play a competitive brand of basketball, which they did tonight. Like, look, if you take up that third quarter, they, they were outscored 15 in the third quarter. They win the game by five in the other three quarters. They outscored the Celtics by five. That, that first quarter, they came out with a lot of energy. They took advantage when Boston came out flat. 
I will admit, you know, Boston did not start this game off very strong and the Rockets took advantage of that. And they, they gave the ball to Jalen. Jalen was feeling hot. And I think that having those starts do so much for a game because you saw in Minnesota when you're off to a bad start, how that game really got out of hand early because they did not start well. And you look at Oklahoma city when they started off really well. And uh, that game was a blowout. So tonight the game started off well, but then again, Boston was able to kind of get them composed because look, Boston's a better team. Boston is a more talented team, even without Jalen Brown. uh, They are, they were the better team tonight. I will say that, but the Rockets gave them a run for their money. You know, this, um, I think Celtics fans might've been a bit surprised by the start of the game. I don't think they expected the Rockets to necessarily play that well. And I think that that's what the Rockets are on everybody's schedule. They're a trap game. The Rockets should be a trap game on every team's schedule because their team, they're going to play 48 minutes, or at least they're going to fight for 48 minutes. Maybe they didn't do that tonight. They played maybe 36 minutes instead of 48. But I do think that this is, this is the version of the Rockets we're going to see. And I got mm. people in the comments right here, like James is saying, this is the funnest loss of all time. Lucas is saying this is the greatest loss in Rockets history. So these losses are generating positive, uh, positive towards the rebuild at large. So I do think that, mm. yes, not the result we wanted to see tonight, but also we, we had a lot of fun watching this team. The vibes are there and the development is also there, which is the most important thing. And I think one of the things that makes them that trap game that you're talking about is when you have a guard that can really just take over a game the way that Jalen Green took over this game, it makes you so much more dangerous, especially when Christian Woods having the performance that he has where he's not necessarily winning you the game, but he's keeping you steady throughout the night. And then eventually you'll have that guy who can explode. And we didn't necessarily see it tonight towards uh, the end with Jalen Green. It was more so earlier, but Throughout the season, that's what's going to make them so dangerous for a team that's coming in and might be half asleep and they might get embarrassed because you have a guard like Kevin Porter Jr. on a night where he might go get 50 like we seen last year. And there's not much that you can do about it when a guard's just that hot, especially when he has guys around him that are doing their part. Like Singoon, he's facilitating, he's defending, he's getting and ones. And then Christian Wood is just steadily having a really strong performance. And all that, when you put all that together, it's like a recipe for a trap game. So I think or even a trap team. So I think that's like the perfect description for them. But yeah, I think tonight was, it was super entertaining for one. Uh, Jalen Green, he had nine points in the first two outings. Then he comes out with 30 tonight. And that's something that lets uh, Rockets fans all over just relax a little bit, breathe a little bit and give him more time because that's what he's capable of. And that's what we're expecting. And now he finally was able to do it. And now it becomes a, Thing of okay is he going to do it next game or when is it going to happen again and just creates a whole lot of excitement so this is how the rebuild is supposed to go it's supposed to be excitement even in a loss not jumping ship because you lost the season opener absolutely so uh, we are here live on spotify Green, and we actually have a pretty solid uh live audience tonight so thank you to everyone that is that is listening in the audience uh, we're going to take some audience questions. I've got some in the comments already. And then if people want to come up and speak, you know, there is that speaker request button. But before we get to the speaker request buttons, I've got a question here from Vinny in the chat. He says, Jeremy, how about these house and Augustine minutes? I'm feeling uncomfortable with KJ not playing. I'm glad you brought that up, Vinny, because this is something that I was going to bring up. So uh, DJ Augustine, Daniel House, two guys that are not part of this team moving forward. 
and guys that didn't bring a whole lot to the game tonight. Uh, Daniel House, 13 minutes, zero points in those minutes, 0 for 2 uh, shooting. And DJ uh, Augustine, 10 minutes, but three points, just three points and made his only bucket. But yeah, these guys, I think that the Rockets would get a lot more out of a guy like KJ Martin playing or an Osman Garuba and Armani Brooks. And I do think, though, that the way that this team is created right now, I do think that the Rockets, there is an agreement between like Silas and Stoner and understanding more that they are trying to trade those guys at some point later in the season. So they do need to showcase them now. And if they do that, then maybe they can net some more assets at the trade deadline for teams that could use a veteran like uh, DJ Augustine or a wing like Daniel House. I do believe that both of these guys will not be part of the roster by the time the trade deadline comes. But I think that these guys are simply there because there is a possibility that the Rockets could get something for these guys at the trade deadline if they play well enough. Now, they're not playing well enough. That's the issue. And, but that's just tonight. They could come in tomorrow. Like DJ Augustine proved in his brief tenure with the Rockets last season, he's able to put 20 in a game if he want, if he really wants to. And I don't know if he, I don't know if we're going to see 20 point games from DJ Augustine this year, especially if he's going to be on the court with guys like Jalen Green and Kevin Porter. I don't necessarily foresee that for him, but that I think is why those guys are getting those minutes instead of the KJs, the Armani Brooks, the Josh Christophers on this team. Ray, is there anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I think it's just, you know, you got to show off your assets. And while John Wall is a guy who could get traded without seeing him on the court, and that's like an agreement, that's not going to be the same thing like you're saying for House and Augustine and all those other guys who are just like, why is he on the court instead of KJ Martin? Or why is Jalen Green not on the court more? It's super early into the season. And I think, like you're saying, once the trade deadline comes around and we're still having these same complaints after that's passed and there's room for criticism, like why are these guys on the court instead of developing the young guys? But I think for now, we just we just have to remember that there's more going on than just what we see on the hardwood. It's actively trying to move guys. Um, and that's super important when you're rebuilding is maybe you could get some, may, even a second round draft pick helps to rebuild a ton. So just about patience and seeing what happens after the trade yeah. deadline. Yeah, and, and Joseph adds here, um, how are y'all feeling about Tice right now? I thought the signing was a head scratcher when it got announced, and I'm still having a hard time envisioning what his purpose is on the roster. I know they wanted him to be a defensive anchor and space the floor next to Wood, but I actually think Shangun has looked more disruptive on both ends of the court. And But the thing with Tice is I don't necessarily put him in that same boat as DJ Augustine and Daniel House. You know, Daniel House is a free agent at the end of the year with a very uh, – very team-friendly deal. I believe, honestly, if they don't trade Daniel House, they will buy him out because it is an easy contract to buy out. DJ Augustine, I'm not as convinced because his contract, I think, is two years instead of one, if I'm not mistaken, and he does make more than Daniel House. But I do think that they will find a way to move on from DJ Augustine, whether it is a trade or a buyout or whether they just uh, you know, stash him on the bench and they do give those minutes to some younger guys, but I don't think Tice is necessarily one of those guys that they're going to stash or uh, not or trade at the trade deadline. He's got four years on his deal, nine million a year. And while yes, Shangun is the guy that, um, I, while Shangun is the guy that 
is better on both. He's a better player. Like, let's let's be real. Shangun is a better player than Daniel Tice. But I do think that Daniel Tice, at least in hindsight, is someone that is a better... I think that they want Wood to kind... In that first unit, I think what they want is they want Christian Wood to be a huge part of that offense. And they don't necessarily want him to focus as much on the defensive end. And Tice allows him to be that defensive anchor to allow Wood to focus more on the offensive end. With Shen Goon, he's not as much of an anchor defensively to where Christian Wood has to go like that. But I do think that the Shen Goon Wood pairing has been the most successful so far. And I don't necessarily know if Shen Goon is going to enter that starting lineup really soon. I think that it's going to happen this season. I definitely think it's going to happen this season. And it's probably going to happen maybe sooner than Silas is expecting because Shengun is playing that well. But I still think putting Daniel Tice in the starting lineup isn't a bad thing. I think because it, it gives it gives the first unit more defense. And I feel like if you put Tice in the second unit, that second unit lacks a little bit of the offense that Shengun provides. And then when you get to the later stage of the game, when you need when you need the win you put Shengun in there because he is one of your best five players. I think Shengun, outside of KPJ, Jalen, and Christian Wood, I think Shengun is the fourth best player on this roster. So he should be in that in that ending five. Um, and Shengun should get more minutes than Daniel Tice. Um, he doesn't necessarily have to start to get more minutes, but I think Shengun is I, I think I don't think there's much of an issue with Tice starting over Shengun at this point. But Ray, do you think when do you think uh it's gonna be Shengun's turn to replace Tice in this starting lineup? I think it's tough to tell because to be completely honest, I haven't necessarily been deterred by the way Tice has played. I feel like he's doing what he's asked of. And I think there's a lot of times when guards get an easy drive to the basket because obviously the perimeter guards at this point, or not the perimeter guards, but the the perimeter defenders at this point are just young and they're really trying to work on defense, that being Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr., so it leaves a lot of responsibility for whoever's down there to try to contest those shots. And I think Tice has done a good job of that. I don't think he's been this standout performance, obviously, which is why uh, Sengun gets more talk. And so when I look at when I think he'll start, I think it's tough because I completely agree with everything that you said about just Tice's uh, impact on the defensive end while Christian Woods focused on the offensive end because I think Christian Wood is best when you're able to get him ball in the low post and then the high post and when Singoon's on the floor I don't think it's necessarily that simple um we see like when he gets doubled and Christian Wood makes himself available but that's tough to do throughout um the entirety of a game or like majority of the game because eventually teams start to adjust and they start the game plan for it but I think I want obviously later into the season I'm trying to think of a realistic target goal I think maybe as we get near the all-star break, we'll start to see, I think it'll be a slow transition where it's not going to be this thing where um, in the next week, we're going to see Shingun starting. I think it's going to be a gradual thing. Maybe not the all-star break because that's a little bit far out, but not until January. Yeah, I think, I think with, um, with how Rockets fans feel, look, Shingun is much more flashy. He's a lot more intriguing for this roster because he is a rookie because he does the things that he does. Tice is not necessarily a flashy player. He's more of kind of a do the little things kind of guy. So I believe that that is 
maybe why people might feel that way. And and look, Shangun also has, I think, played better than Tice, but at the same time, the two of them have different roles. Like Shangun is more of an offensive, um, he's more of an offensive, what's the word? Um, like initiator. Is that is that right? Would you would you agree with that word, Ray? Help me out here. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like initiator. I like creator. creator. Yeah, I that's probably. It, it, and Tice just isn't that. Tice is Tice is there for strictly defense and then to uh, to space the floor. And if he's open for three, he can take it because he can make some of those. Um, he's not the best three point shooter, but he, I think spacing the floor is is probably Tice's biggest ac- uh, attribute on the offensive end of the floor. And you know, Shangun can do that too. And Shangun has a little bit more in his bag, but. I think, I think at this point right now, let Shengun come off the bench and let him play more. I think, I think is the route to go. And look, guys are going to get injured too. Like this is the team at full strength. But as the season goes along, like injuries pile up, it's a natural feeling. You know, back to backs are going to happen where guys aren't going to be able to play back to backs, and you're going to see guys like KJ Martin get a little bit more run. Guys like David Nwaba, guys like Armani Brooks, Josh Christopher, Usman Garuba. So. The way the Rockets rotation is now is not necessarily going to be that way for the for the rest of the season. So we do need to keep that in mind. But before we wrap up, I do want to bring uh, DK Don Knock up here. He's in the audience. He hit that speaker request button. He's with Apollo HOU. So I'm going to bring up Don Knock here to see what he's got for us. So Don, welcome to the show, my friend. It's always good to have you here. How are you, my, my dude? What's going on? Um, Absolutely, man. Good to be here. Uh, good to be coming off a game like this, even though we didn't win. Um, I think everyone could feel a special night was coming on when Jalen hit that buzzer beater. Um, you know, yeah. Uh, other than that, yeah. I mean, the the, pa- the playmaking was really on display early from him. Um, KBJ had a little bit of a down game as, as a creator. Um, he had some kind of wild passes and, you know, a lot of guys had some crazy turnovers. But I just liked how, you know, when Jalen Green, he obviously hit the eight threes in this game, he did a, such a good job staying on balance when he shoots. There are guys that even if you look at Kevin Porter Jr. when he shoots, he fades a lot. Um, even that that first three KBJ had when it was um, like a pull-up three in transition, he was going to his strong hand and kind of faded to the left. And if you watch Jalen Green when he take the takes the the shots in this game, he's just straight up and down. Form is really good, and and I really like to see that. I think you know, I don't think this is going to be a obviously you know it's an incredible performance, but I don't think this is going to be something that's like you know, we'll never see him shoot anything close to this way again, right? Like, his shot looks very good, looks very repeatable. Um, and, you know, he's, he's a guy that has very good balance and core strength as well. With the way he finishes at the rim, with the way he's able to jump, you know, that's really a strong part of his game is to be able to be on balance at all times. And, uh, you know, we saw that coming to play a game with the dunks on Tatum. You know, super excited um, to see those. We, we really haven't had – I guess K.J. Martin last year had a lot of, you know, highlight explosive type of plays, but – you know, have a superstar that's really this type of explosive. It's been, you know, Harden was really never that way. It's been since the T-Mac era where, you know, we really had a guy that was the guy that, you know, had this type of explosion. So, um, you know, super excited about this game, super excited to build on this. And, and to circling back around to the Ty Shingun stuff, you know, Shingun's minutes have gone up slowly every game. He was 17 the first game, 18 the second game, now 19 this game. When do I think he may start, you know, I'm not going to put a hard date on it, but I think we're going to see those minutes of him and Tice slowly get closer together. And, you know, you did have Shingun playing minutes down the stretch. You had Gordon playing minutes down the stretch. I think we may see him closing games 
um, even before he ends up starting games. So I think that will be what happens first. He gets in, you know, he, he's playing well. He's facilitating scoring X, Y, Z. We're going to see him close some games first. And then the starting will come after that, after he's, you know, been able to build on those performances internally in games and, and earn those minutes down the stretch. So those are some of the things I saw this game. Um, you know, I said really excited, um, really, you know, I can't wait for the next game. And I, I think a lot of people are going to feel that way. And I think, uh, there's a lot of tension the last couple of days of, between like the Mobley people coming back out of the Wilbur's and the green people. And I think now everyone can really rally around this good Jalen green performance. We don't have to have that infighting going on um, that we had all summer. So that those are my real big takeaways from this game. And, and, you know, looking forward to, you know, many more performances like this. Absolutely. Absolutely. So like, what from Jalen Green do we need more? Like, what's next? I mean, eight threes in your third NBA game and 30 points. He's the second teenager to drop 18 or more in a game. Eddie Griffin was the first. Uh, the late Eddie Griffin was the first. So, I mean, what is next for Jalen Green, Ray? What, like, what more do we need to see from this guy? I think he needs to find the range on his mid-range shot. Um, he's able to get to it very frequently you know his athleticism he has a very high release point has a very high um jump when he does shoot that shot so he's not worried about getting it blocked and get to it pretty frequently but he hasn't really been able to hit that shot in rhythm yet and so i think that's the next step is being able to have that counter because now that everyone knows that he can shoot they're going to overplay him for the shot so then he's going to be able to get you know downhill when people close out hard on him so he can either get to the rim or if they rotate he needs to have that counter either a mid-range shot or like what we saw with Harden where he went to more of um, the floater in that mid-range. I think developing those counters for once he either gets ran off the line or the the help defense rotates at the rim, I think that will be the next step for him because honestly, the passing has been ahead of schedule for me. I was like I, said, I was a huge green guy coming into the draft um, and passing was really the one thing where people were like, if this guy wants to be an elite combo guard, that's the part of his game that he needs to work on. And you know, everything we've seen so far, he's been very good with the ball. He had the turnovers in preseason, but since the regular season started, I, you know, I couldn't ask for more from him as a playmaker. So I think he's really doing a good job in that aspect. Um, and then, so just rounding out his game with, like I said, the mid-range stuff, getting some more counters, and then, you know, becoming a stronger player, a more physical player is going to be the the final step in his growth. But you can't do that overnight, right? It's going to take some time for him to hit the weight room and really add weight, um, make sure his diet's right and, and things like that. So for the next step for me would definitely be to get the mid-range game going. And I think he's going to have a lot of opportunity to do that, especially with, you know, some of the looks we saw tonight. Um, he had the ability to get to that mid-range. So that would be that'd be what it would be for me. Absolutely. Well, DK, we're about to close off the show, so I'm going to send you back to the audience. I appreciate you coming Thanks as always. Me. And uh, see you soon, man. Cool. All right. I think it's about time to park this rocket ship before we go, though. Ray, we've got the Mavs on deck on Tuesday, heading to Dallas for another one-game road trip. Luka Doncic is on the schedule for the Rockets. Mavs did not look super hot in their opener, but they did win their second game, I believe. I believe they, uh, they played on Saturday night. They beat the Raptors. So what are you expecting from the Rockets in Dallas on Tuesday? I think it's going to be a competitive game, a really competitive game, because I don't think that Dallas is the team that Boston is. And obviously they have Luka, and Luka's going to score a lot of points because the guards are just going to struggle with him all night. But 
when you look at Dallas, that's really it's just Luca. That's all you're really thinking of. I mean, they have other guys. Obviously, this is an NBA team, and they're in the playoffs, and they've just been consistently good. But I feel like Luca is the main scare. And if Houston can have a guy who comes out and puts the type of effort that Jalen Green has tonight, I think it's going to be a super competitive game. If not, then they have potential to get blown out just because once Luca gets going, then they're going to throw more attention to him and that's going to leave more shooters open and sets him up for lobs. So I think it really depends on if Houston can get one of their guards going. But I'm going to guess, I think it might be Kevin Porter Jr.'s turn. I think it might be his night to kind of start to go crazy. So I don't know if they'll win, though. <laughs> I don't want to predict a win, but I think, I think Dallas will probably get the best of them, but I think it will be a highly competitive game. Yeah, before we go, though, I did see uh, my, good, my good buddy Jesse in the comments, Jesse, uh, or in the, in the audience earlier, Jesse Matarazzo. He is part of the uh, – he, cover, he covers the Mavs for the league, and I want him to give me some insight on the Mavs before we sign off. But, Jesse, thanks for coming up, brother. Uh, any, any Mavs stuff you got for me? Uh, now's your shot, so the floor is yours. Yeah, it's good to talk to you again. Um, yeah, so the matchup is going to be interesting. Christoph Porzingis plays really well against teams that also play bigs. Um, when they put a small guy on on KP, he really struggles. But if he's with another guy that maybe isn't as quick, he's a little bit more effective. So I'd look for him to get going. Luca, as always, plays amazing against the Rockets every time they go up against each other. So... Yeah, I mean, there's there's some amazing <laughs> shots that he's hit. Although this team is still really disjointed. I, you've looked at a lot of teams across the league. That a lot of teams that you think should be good are, you know, winning and losing, and there's no rhyme or reason to it, a la Boston and the Kings. And, you know, all these teams are like, you don't really know what they are yet. We don't know what this Jason Kidd uh, Mavericks team is yet, and they could be really good or they could be really bad. So it's it's definitely going to be a wild card, and I love watching this young Houston team. It's been a it's just been a treat to be able to watch a bunch of young talent just go out there and give it their everything. So, I'm- and it'll be a real treat. It'll be a real treat when we beat y'all on Tuesday, right, Jesse? Whew. Right? Hey, I mean, <laughs> I'm not extremely confident. So hey, hey, man, you know what? We can go. Two and eighty the rest of the year, as long as we beat the Mavs. That's all I care about. No, I'm playing. <laughs> but Jesse, <laughs> thanks for thanks for dropping your Mavs knowledge before we sign off. I appreciate you, man. Uh, take it easy. All right, and uh, now that's time to park the rocket ship. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. We had a great live audience here on Spotify Green Room, but be sure to follow the Dream Take on Twitter at the Dream Take. You can also follow us on Twitter at DreamShake. SBN, and you can head to our website, www.thedreamshake.com, home of all things Houston Rockets on SBNation.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. And we'll be back on Tuesday. I believe Mike's got the show on Tuesday. Not sure exactly where that's going to be, but if you follow us on Twitter, you'll know where to go. Be sure to follow my co pilot, Mr. Raymond Lucas, on Twitter at at Raymond Lucas Jr. And you can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Brenner. That's J E R E M Y. E-R-E-N-E-R. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of The Dream Take. And until next time, go Rockets. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. 
And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Support for Pivot comes from Polestar. At Polestar, every inch of every vehicle they design is thoughtfully made. They're made to transform auto performance, accelerating from zero to 60 in less than 4.2 seconds with fully electric all-wheel drive. They're made to elevate the driving experience with LED headlights and a panoramic glass roof. And they're made to uphold a greater responsibility to the planet using sustainable materials and energy-saving systems. The result is a car that combines the best of today with the technology of tomorrow. Pure performance, pure design, Polestar. Design yours and book a test drive today at polestar.com.